1: the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabe people. On
1: today's Merienda episode, Siggy leads us through Kamayan and the Boodle fight experience. But before we do that, let's catch up a bit before we get into this Marienda episode. What have you been up to pop culture wise?
0: Well, what is so fitting, like two nights ago, I was just tooling around with our free subscription to Crave, and Mm. I bumped into the show on HBO Max called Selena and Chef. Have you heard about it, Selena Gomez? I have
1: heard about it. Tell me more.
0: Well, Selena Gomez is filming from her beautiful kitchen with friends listening in, and they have famous chefs. The episode I saw was with Jordan and Dino from mm, Flip City. and yes. he teaches her how to make adobo and turon. Oh, wow. They were having a great time, and Selena was just so cute, like, okay, am I doing it right? And the best part is, he called his Lola to show her, like, <laughs> hey, you know, take a look at the my the adobo that Selena made. And Lola was like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it.
1: Leave it to Lola to tell the truth, right? I so. loved
0: it. But the energy was great. Jordan with his big smile just explained to Selena. But what I really enjoyed was Jordan like was teaching Selena, oh, we use a fork and knife in our culture. Mm. So he just explained it really simple. You use the fork, you scoop it out, you take you break apart, you know, the thigh. It, it was fantastic. It was a great little 27 minutes. I'm gonna try his recipe with the oyster sauce and the mushroom soy sauce to make a really good hearty adobo. So I highly recommend. I recommend Selene and Chef with Armin, Jordan, and Dino. Amazing. It would totally love it, Kuya. What have you been up to, pop culture-wise?
1: Oh, my gosh. So, I think, I can't seem to shake this, but I've been into, yet again, another BL series. And so, there's a whole bunch of them. As our listeners know, from last summer, because of quarantine, it suddenly created the right conditions for these BL series to come out. (laughs) Actually, we just talked about them, actually, in a past episode with Armin. And so, we're still going to (laughs) be... Still going to be talking about this. I have a feeling I'm going to be talking about this through 2021. But what this time I've been kind of catching up on is Ben Mm -hmm. X Jim, or I guess Ben Loves Jim, or whatever the case may be. It premiered in October of 2020. Ben and Jim or Jimson, their childhood friends and next-door neighbors who fall in love years later because of quarantine. So, apparently, it starts at the beginning of the pandemic where everyone mm-hmm. said, Hey, please go and quarantine and shelter in place. So, everyone like goes back to their hometown or spends time. And so, Jimson comes from Davao back to what looks like Quezon City to me. That's what it looks okay. like, but I don't <laughs> really know. They, we just know we're somewhere in Manila and mm-hmm. they were next-door neighbors and then uh, like rediscover love. Now, I have to tell you, Quite typical tropes That are being played oh, here Well, Like you it's mentioned really, before right? It is There's always this story Of next door neighbors Falling in love A la Romeo and Juliet <laughs> And I have to tell you It reminded me Actually of my parents' courtship Because they were literally no Next door neighbors themselves When they met And fell in love With each other And so I just kept thinking Oh my god This is like My parents' experience Mapped onto Two young gay men Anyways It's delicious fun Seven episodes Interestingly enough There's now a season two So I'm going to be getting Onto that soon enough as well
0: it's continuing it's a baseline pop culture that we'll probably talk about all the time and like all the tropes you talked about in the previous episode super interesting and if it's holding up i mean you always hear those stories about the guy next door so it's, yeah it's totally, i like that i like that
1: yeah, that's totally what it is. So if you need like something to do on the weekend, check out this BL series, Ben X Gym or Ben Loves Gym. however you want to <laughs> talk about it. It's from Regal Entertainment. So Sig, lead us off or lead us into the culture capital topic for this Merienda episode.
0: So Jez and I today are going to be talking about fight experience in the Kamayan. So when you hear this word, what is it? So just like any other Asian countries like Japan, Korea, and China that uses chopsticks in their meals, Filipinos have their own traditional way of dining known as the Kamayan. So the word Kamay, the root word, is a Tagalog term for hands. Kamayan is the act of eating using your bare hands. Now, the dining culture is practiced by locals ever since the pre-colonial era, and I know you have some historical facts about that. And the use of utensils, such as spoon and fork or knife only began when the Spanish and the American occupation happened. So even so, this form of practice is still carried on and passed on from one generation to another, up to like present time. And even growing up, it's so reminiscent. And I know as we discuss this going on, it shares a little bit about the immigration story of my parents coming to Canada. Now, Kuya, we hear a lot about Kamayan. How did Boodle fight suddenly be emerged into Kamayan, like in hand in hand? I think sometimes
1: <laughs> we think kamayan and Boodle fight are synonymous or at least to the outsider they may be synonymous and to some Philippinex in the diaspora they might also think that they're synonymous but they're not. Again, kamayan is what Siggy just described where it typically, whoever's dining with the centerpiece of all the meals do people pick and then put them on their plate and then they kind of eat it. So that tends to be a very composed and curated experience by themselves. But with respect to Boodle fight, there's something very artistic in the way yes. one sees the food. With respect to Khamayan, there's something very artistic around how you actually eat the food with your hands. And I'm sure you're going to talk about this later, but at mm-hmm. least certainly with some of my memories growing up, I remember my mom and even my grandmother, my Lola, who would be, I'd see them eat with their hands and they would tell me, oh yes, this is very traditional, how you eat with your hand. There was something very rhythmic about kind of Picking the rice, picking the ulam, putting it together, and then putting it to your mouth. Again, it felt like I was watching waves in an ocean waves in the ocean.
0: It's so funny when reviewing this and researching this, a lot of the method is with the, i using my left hand right now, for listeners, you can't see, you have your index, your middle finger and your thumb. And the point is to scoop with your index and your middle finger and your thumb is, is the one that pushes the food into your mouth. Right. And you're exactly, and both of you are doing it right now, if there yep. is this fluid motion. If you grab the rice, you pull it up and push a very rhythmic ocean-like Push yeah. go up through you absolutely caught I
1: swear it feels very meditative when I've seen my mom eat with her hands it's actually quite beautiful and like that's why I think it's almost artistic and rhythmic it's mesmerizing mm-hmm. you, because it's almost like she's sewing it almost seems like she's yes. sewing in some ways it's kind of like pick up the food pick it up with the rice then put it in and, and then insert it into your mouth so gracefully it's interesting right because I think if you tell people that don't know anything about our culture that we eat with our hands can sometimes eat with our hands it kind of brings up certain ideas and again Kamayan at least in my experience and when I've seen it with my cousins and I'm like so clumsy about it because I don't have enough practice with it it's usually family and mealtime oriented which is very different from Boodle fight And boodle fight is actually a tradition. I think what history tells us is is that came from military practice of eating a meal where long tables were arranged and banana leaves laid down. An array of Filipino foods were also laid out, which is also artistic unto itself. Because I think if you just Google boodle fight, you'll see beautiful banquet tables of eye-catching, mouth-watering food put out. And I would say that true Boodle fight actually involved no sitting at all, where it actually had people stand, or more specifically, soldiers stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with each other while using the practice of Kamayan or eating their hands. But as opposed to traditional Kamayan where you sit down at the table and are eating Filipino food, people are actually picking everywhere. So it's almost like, you know, a free for all. And I think that's kind of how the fight, the fight occurred. But it's Mm. interesting. I had not known that it was part of the military practice, as you said, doing a bit of research. And actually there's a researcher and a PhD candidate Adrian De Leon, who at the University of Toronto, written about this and published, and I loved his title. It was like everybody was boodle fighting. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> military <laughs> histories, culinary tourism, and diasporic dining, and talks a lot about kind of that military practice of kind of putting it all together. I don't know if you got any thoughts about that, but I just thought it was like fascinating that this has come from military tradition. Actually,
0: I'm just so fascinated when I saw your work. I'm like, I want to hear more. I just not shocking, because I'm like, oh, this is cultural, but really, a military, why would this be? But as you're going to describe or whatever, you know, the whole action of itself, I can see where it sort of stems from.
1: Like, yeah, it, and, and it's this. actually quite symbolic too. If you went to a restaurant that says that they offer a boodle fight experience, usually you sit down, but everyone is actually standing shoulder to shoulder, just picking through at foods. And the emphasis on shoulder to shoulder is that apparently it signifies equality in the dining. So you're actually eating with people that are higher rank than you, lower rank than you, and that everyone's together, mm-hmm. communally eating and sharing a meal together and apparently like some of the tradition that occurs in terms of the boodle fight experience is very much before the dining begins it's almost like a ready set go and then it's (laughs) like eat but the most senior officer apparently says ready on the left ready on the right commence Boodle fight, you know? And then it's like, go! (laughs) I don't know if you've had this Boodle experience. I know I've had it a couple of times. It is incredible because then it demarcates the start of the entire experience and people just start picking and eating and competing for this kind of stuff. But to just kind of back up a little bit, (laughs) Boodle, interestingly enough, when I was reading Adrian's article, it had said that it came from American military slang, really from the idea of what Kit and caboodle is. And this is what I found really interesting. (laughs) Apparently, kit means like the soldier kits that of course soldiers would carry. Yeah. And caboodle actually meant sweet contraband. So (sighs) typically it would be like pastries and sugars and all of that. So it meant like partaking in all the sweets. But interestingly enough, caboodle's Meaning changed over time to also mean groups and crowds of people. So kind of taken together, it's like when you say kit and caboodle, it means soldiers all gathered together is really what it meant. And that they were partaking over some type of loot, usually sweets in the American tradition. But you can see how from the 1800s, this idiom eventually gets to the Philippines because of American imperialism in the early 1900s. And you can see that then it was adopted by the Filipino military themselves and just shortened it to Boodle and Boodle fighting. So it's interesting because it makes me think, oh, well, then in that context, that means... This type of food, apart from regular Filipino military rations, was seen as a luxury, was seen as a loot where people would compete over. So I just thought, oh, that's fascinating how these food delights were more than just basic military provisions and yeah. then took on this expression, kit and caboodle, or just boodle and
0: boodle fight. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that's totally like an origin story. And then like, how did that, Kuya, on a sidebar did caboodle suddenly become like a makeup kit container in the nineties where it was that called the caboodle. I have right? No
1: idea. <laughs> but it's I just guess like a, if I had to take a guess, the meaning had then changed from loot to luxury to like yeah. a bag of goodies in some ways, I think that you, know? you just
0: explained it. Like it's just a bunch of loot, right? So all, all uh, like a female's, all her makeup and all that stuff or male's makeup or whatever and jewelry. It's all together. You got it together. Caboodle, so Caboodle, I, I just a yes. boodle I fight. Chingerman.
1: And then in this case, you're all fighting over a loot. And in this That's case, right. it's a loot of really great Filipino food. The Ugh. other interesting thing about all of this is, is that, as I had said, there are bunches of tables put together, banana mm-hmm. leaves, and then just a spray of food all over the place. For me, what's fascinating is this: is that it's in contrast to what we were talking about earlier, kamayan being rhythmic and mm-hmm. artistic in some ways. Here, there's like just a flurry of activity of people just picking at food and eating, picking and eating, picking and eating. And it's more of a banquet and a la carte oriented experience right. and almost celebratory in focus in a lot of ways. So although that this is a military practice... It has become celebratory in to what you see in modern day Filipino culture and what's been exported in the diaspora as a whole. I don't know if you have anything to add
0: to that. Or I find this topic gives me so many feelings. Like I find it's so emblematic of our culture because mm. it's always like you know that fact of we're going to lay out the spread. Please yes. enjoy. Yes. Do you want this? Do you want this? It's like having a Lola or a Tita or my mom guide me through. Anak, did you eat? Come here, come here. You have this. Take mo, mouth. Take my Taste this. Taste <laughs> yes. this. Come in <laughs> and they're going to watch you to get the food and, and get it. There's just, it's visceral. Like it's, you go in and please come use your hands. There's no other like formalities of it. The food is all here. And we'll talk about like this development, this rage coming on. It's just, I don't know. It's just emblematic and symbolic of this, our culture. That's becoming popular. I just find it like just a very big symbol.
1: Yeah, I think it has become a huge symbol now. I think that this is also where my worry is, and I'm glad that we're actually taking a Marienda episode to kind of really delineate it, that mm-hmm. people or people outside of our culture mm-hmm. look at Boodle fight and think that that's all we do. Right. know, <laughs> no, I do wonder about some of our North American Western counterparts who if Some people just think, oh, we come home every night, lay out the banana leaves, you know, <laughs> and then eat a spread, right? And if you were actually to make an actual boodle fight experience, oh my gosh. it takes half a day, I'm sure, right? It to
0: takes know? so much time. And like listeners, I highly encourage you, like Kuya Jez just said, if you look up Kamaian Feast or boodle fight, there are so many vloggers out there. Like, hi, we're having a boodle fight. They are exhausted. And one, one girl I was watching today, she's so funny. She's like, I'm sweating. It's 100 degree weather. And I prepped all this. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like all the fresh lumpia i sort of cheated you know the canin is really hot the rice is really hot it's steaming i gotta get banana leaves out like i'm so glad to sit down and eat but there's so much effort to make Lots of it, effort. To, to set all this stuff just to piles of food everywhere there's so much more to it and i think what's tied with it and this is something that i grew up with i don't Kuya, you're gonna be able to identify when you eat with your hands like there's this like popular notion that when you eat with your hands it makes food taste better Yes, and, like, <laughs> I would agree. There's obviously no scientific proof for it. And I think most locals, like from the Philippines and my family, you know, sometimes even encourage people to practice with Kamayan, an act of like generosity. But it's so funny being born in Canada and the use of Kamai was such like. It wasn't like it was taboo, but like there was a time and place for it. I think I remember being first generation, born in Canada, my parents coming in 1975, and like Early times, Kuya, close your eyes, like the Dinette Corral dinner plates, <laughs> yes, the Kanin and stuff. And when we were with like our neighbors who were Filipino, they would use their hands, whether it's like the KFC or the Adobo, and going into it. As I started growing older, it happened less. It would happen at a Filipino like picnic or whatever where we'd come But as soon as it was that thing, and I have these memories and... My parents haven't caught up with the podcast, so I'll freely talk about it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it once they listen. They they didn't want me to use my hands because, you know what, we were in North America, we have a fork and knife, Mm -hmm. and it was almost a guilty pleasure. One of the funniest things I think of when I think of Kamayan, we made Filipino feast for neighbors once. And my parents, my mom, they lived right next door. Mm -hmm. And we made them stuff. And my mom had like this. She had like a huge pot of adobo. She gave the adobo to them and left a couple pieces in the pot. She took some rice. She put it in the pot. And then she's like, Siggy, I'm like, are you going to eat that now, Mom? She's like, yeah, I will. She's like, can you just pull all the blinds down? I'm like, uh, okay. And my mom went in and put the rice and get the sabal and the sauce, and She was in there with like three fingers mm. in there. And I heard a knock at the door. Mom's like, who is it? And it was the neighbor saying, are you going to eat with us? Mom's like, no, I'm sort of full. And she literally just wanted to eat with her hands, like in the <laughs> privacy of her home. That's so great <laughs> to Suze. It was just one of those like things where. It was seemed so taboo or just like inappropriate because in the Western culture, people don't use their hands. It was exotic. And I'm going to say that like in quotation marks or, ooh, some cultures use chopsticks. And then, oh, you use your hands? You know, and I don't blame Tita that. Suze. Like, I right. don't know
1: that I would kind of interpret it as like being shy or shameful yeah. or anything like that. I wonder if just Tita Suze didn't want to explain to some people that this is part of our culture and she just wanted to kind of indulge. And there is a bit of indulgence that kind of occurs eating with your hands, I think. My mom purrs. <laughs> so when does she? She? Eats, she does. She purrs. I mean, she purrs, period, right? It's just, it's hilarious. But, you know, my sisters that I just kind of giggle on the side. But when I see her eat with her hands, and I have to say, it's usually when it's in the Philippines. She oh. typically purrs. And I think you're right. Like, I think sometimes, you know, you just want to be able to kind of be free with the way that you know how to dine without having to kind of draw attention to it, regardless for any non-Filipinos that weren't aware of, the, of this particular dining practice.
0: Exactly. I mean, you know, you know we have no tinador and all of sudden, but it just, it, it's so true, it tastes better. Like it totally does, like with using your hands. You know, my mom's been kind
1: of like the grounding memory here in terms of using your hands, in terms of eating. Mm. I know that when we're back in the Philippines, especially when we're in Pangasinan, yeah. everyone's using their hands. It's me that's like, look at this man in Yelos, who's, <laughs> you know, who's just eating with his fork and spoon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's too good for us, can't eat with his hand. And I just, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm just so inadequate eating with my hands because mm-hmm. again, I don't have enough practice with it. But I promise you, Sigs, the next time we get to go to the Philippines, I'm going to challenge myself to eat more with
0: my hands. I just appreciate that this is becoming a trend and a bit of a rage. Yeah, I do. I, yeah,
1: I can it, appreciate that too. Like mm-hmm. the fact that now its popularity is certainly on the rise, mm-hmm. and it's attributable to two things. One well, is culinary tourism, as I was reading from the article that I was telling everybody about earlier by Adrian De Leon. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is, is is that it's very Instagram worthy. If you look on Instagram, it's it's food porn. Like if done, if it's set out perfectly and beautifully and according to color, it's quite beautiful. And it's quite appetizing in a lot of ways. Would you
0: not say? It becomes an experience. I've mentioned this guy before, B-Boy Kim on Instagram. He has Lola's Kitchen, which is based in Ottawa. And he goes to some people's houses and he prepares a kamayan feast in mm. the shape of hearts. Wow. And also has a guy that plays saxophone and <laughs> creates the thing. He's doing great stuff. I've been dying to order from him. And uh-huh. he makes these beautiful hearts. He'll go and sit up. He comes masked up, gloves or whatever, gets all the food pressed and then leaves. It's Gorgeous! It becomes an experience. It's just this whole, you know, you want to experience a a part of Filipino culture. It is this. I just, like you said, with culinary tourism, I had friends, and I had mentioned this on a podcast before, Adam and Suzanne, and they were mentioning, one gentleman was trying to teach them how to use his hands, and they're like, how do you do that? How do you do it so quickly? And literally, like, Siggy, he used his finger index and his middle finger, and it it looked like an art, and he just made it very simple. And Suzanne's like, I tried my best, but I mean, the food was so good, I was just like sucking my fingers but the way that they did it it's just they're very adventurous they were in Asia and they just thought it was an amazing experience and just I don't know like seeping into that culture being like it's gorgeous it's an art so yeah, it is an art
1: and it's beautiful and it makes curious food adventures come. Yeah, that's Whether it. it's to the Philippines or interestingly enough, and we've seen this here in Toronto and all over southwestern Ontario, but I'm sure it is in any major city that has a large enough Filipino population that the turo turo restaurants, which are like counter-driven restaurants, you know, where you turo turo can mean like choose, choose or pick, pick. In other words, you point what you want to eat. So they're basically hot plate restaurants have actually pivoted and have started to kind of create these boodle fight experiences where now it's more than just the Filipino community. It's for anyone that's adventurous and wants again, something Instagram worthy, which is kind of like what's driving the experience. I think beautiful to take pictures of. It then becomes a destination and then hence culinary tourism has really been able to kind of promote the popularity of this. The second reason why I think it's also popular not only just for non-Filipinos, people that don't come from a Filipino origin is that, I think it's become, as you said, emblematic. And the way I kind of interpret that is it's it's a form of culinary nationalism. So it's recognizable, kind mm-hmm. of like the Dinakling is very recognizable. Like the <laughs> Maria Clara is very recognizable. I think now, if you get people in the know, especially like foodies, for example, they mm-hmm. know that this is Filipino cuisine. And I think in some ways, I've seen my parents take pride. You know, I remember we were at a boodle fight in Ajax celebrating my brother-in-law's birthday. You know, my parents were like, very full of pride of like, oh, like, you know, teaching the grandkids how to eat with their hands and stuff like that. So I think that that's part of why, I mean, there's a rise in Filipino nationalism with respect to this. And then there's also just kind of this culinary tourism that's been promoted, if you will, especially by those food adventures from Instagram. And when you see listeners, if you ever Google any of this, it looks like a tropical leisure experience. But I think sometimes I do worry, I do worry Sigs about the fact that sometimes we are now entangling these tropical leisure food adventure experiences with a past that we don't know too much about. And it was shocking to kind of do research to say, oh my God, this is a legacy feature of American imperialism and Ah. past militarized history. And for any of our listeners that don't know, when the... Americans were, if you will, colonizers themselves (laughs) in the Philippines. They had used strategically the Philippines as a jumping off point to, if you will, enforce democracy throughout Southeast Asia in some ways. I don't know how successful they were with that project, but nevertheless, they now have a history of bases left that have now been vacated. And If you think about it, this also has been vacated, but we've kind of taken it up on our own. But it's interesting to kind of think about how now all these things are being entangled. I don't know if you have anything to kind of like add to that or if you got any observations around that.
0: No, I just I was waiting for you to say that because I'm just like, wow, the background or history is just... Very interesting, right? And how, how things have changed. So I Yeah, just...
1: like, I think certainly our parents probably know of that history. I just mm-hmm. have a very kind of faint idea about this Same. history. Yeah, I think to myself... When I think about my nephews and nieces, or when I think about your kids, they might not know anything about this history and know that these things are kind of entangled with one another. My other concern, too, about the boodle fight experience, and listeners, I hope you know that I'm not like putting it down. It, these are just more concerns than anything else. This is, I do worry about exoticization of boodle fight experience and that it becomes a myopic view of Filipino cuisine, kind of like what I talked about earlier, how. May come to think, oh, you you come home and you rip out <laughs> the banana leaves and you lay out a whole feast every night. It's like I can tell you that's not I what wish. I'm doing. Sometimes it's like, where's the Jolly Bees, which is another food oh experience altogether <laughs> 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 that we can talk about in a in a future Merienda episode. But I do worry that this may contribute to stereotypes and create a monolithic idea about the Philippinex dining practices. And I kind of am already seeing it, meaning that people just think Boodle fight is just another way of saying Kamayan. But those are very two different ways of eating with your hands that are two separate Filipino-Philippinex dining practices. So that just concerns me, right? Like mm-hmm. that I think there's actually a distinction to be made and a distinction that shouldn't be lost in a lot of
0: ways. I'll tell you, folks, it's a lot of work. It's even a lot of work, and you and I both know to make lumpia... Oh my God. Like, yes. You, know what you I need mean? a day I, to make it lumpia. Me, <laughs> yeah, like two and a half hours for me to roll like a 50 or a 100. And I have to have that time to do it. Like I know many of my friends who are not Filipino. Siki, you make it's so good. It's a, Yeah, guys, it takes a lot of work. And you're lucky I don't charge you. But I yes. love you guys and I'll share with you. <laughs> I wish it could be that. And you and I both thought we could totally buy it at TNT or ready-made. But it's not the same. We it's have recipes from our family. My Lola, Gloria, do I love you. I honor her by making variation of what, you know, she the, her secret recipe. I just, I think I sort of struck it down with my wife. It's like, we're not going to have lumpia again. I'm like, no, girl. You, you know how long it takes me to cook? I know you love it. But, you yeah. know, well, she understands
1: Limpia, the time. Lumpia Britong, for example, you only have it at celebrations, which is really interesting, right? Yeah. Because that's exactly it. Boodle fight experience tends to be more celebratory. Although yes. it's really interesting that it's mixed up with something like the military. And, Again, just interesting to kind of think about. I think you need to ask your question.
0: What would be in your Khmeran feast?
1: Yeah, I think many things in my Khmeran feast, and then I can't wait for you to tell me what would be <laughs> in yours. But I think to myself, there's actually a, a bit of a formula in terms of a Khmeran feast oh, or yeah? a Boodle fight experience. Yeah, mm. so very similar to a charcuterie board. You need hard cheeses, soft cheeses, you need crackers, <laughs> you need a dried apricot okay, or a dried fruit out, of out. some sort.
0: This is why I love you that <laughs> And listeners, if you've been listening to this for the past three seasons, old and new, friends, it's like, okay, here's the thing. This is the plan. I'm going to tell you about it and you get right into it. I'm right. Tell me more. Tell me well, more. Give I'll it tell to you me.
1: more. So just as much as a charcuterie board, which by the way, I had introduced to my nephews and nieces two years ago and it was a big success. There, <laughs> there is a way to compose a charcuterie board and you have to hit all the different elements. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for a boodle fight experience. That if you want to compose a boodle fight experience, you need the following. You need a dry dishes you need breakfast meats you need how or charcoal grilled meats you need fruits veggie mm-hmm. salad pickled vegetables deep fried items and a carb typically a rice and or noodle with that said i think for myself in terms of dry dishes i would want dried fish in this case tuyo i would That's want right. tuyo yeah in terms of breakfast meats my boodle fight experience would only include longanisa mm, not mm, tocino mm, but longanisa mm, and mm, sweet mm. sweet longanisa i don't want some of this other kind of longanisa that isn't sweet and i'm not going to rename those regions but uh, <laughs> longanisa for sure that is not our sweet yeah. yes um ch- <laughs> hey if you like if you like savory longanisa more power to you but for but me sweet. i You're like right. my longanisa nice You're and sweet right. and then okay charcoal grilled meats mm. i want my chicken marinated in seven up mm. you know and then barbecued over those charcoals mm-hmm. and in terms of fruit mangoes That's, yeah. mangoes mangoes i mangoes,
0: mean i know. mean yeah
1: and then what is a nice kind of balance to the sweetness of the mangoes and the marinated chicken and the sweet lunganisa are salted eggs with tomatoes mm. So I love my Khmeran with that. And then Super. finally, I like to kind of, you know, wrap it all up with lumpia scattered throughout the Khmeran experience. And for the carb, fried vegetable right. I know usually it's garlic fried rice is what most people love, but I like my fried vegetable rice all the way. So that's, that's kind of what I think in terms of my perfect Boodle fight experience. How about you?
0: You know, I... There's such a balance. Like, if, if folks, I really if you've been listening to a long time, I love that quit. It's so polished and like here are things laid out. Meanwhile, I feel like such a basic bitch. Like, here's <laughs> the thing. I say this right now, and I live for talking to you every Thursday and recording mm-hmm. every week with you because I am same. very homesick right now. Me, and me too. <laughs> I was just like, after watching, you know, Jordan and Dino and then us talking about this and researching and I get to see your face, I'm just like, I am basic. Lumpia Kangen, Barbecue on a stick With pork and ginger ale And bongo salty baby I mm. That garlic I, It's just so basic This is just really It's been a year We've been in COVID As we yes, film this yes. uh, Record this I just I just want those basic things I'm literally I was like nearly tearing Watching like YouTube people Of YouTube videos mm. today And I'm like Oh my god I'm reading your notes Kouya. I'm just like I'm so basic I just Give me some lumpia and some When I was writing My notes quarter. out I
1: was like Were Oh you? my gosh I'm getting really hungry Right now, and I promise you, post-pandemic, we're gonna have a boodle fight experience or something.
0: Well, exactly I don't even care. I say we'd be in a parking lot of a Jolly and we record like remotely <laughs> on our phones. <laughs> yeah. Ghetto or not, you and i are like, this peach pie is great. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. It's funny now, now like I just said it, like it's interesting that we're talking about eating with our hands, come on, or whatever. COVID right now.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I think you and I both have the same sort of observations. I know in Ottawa, I had mentioned Lula's Kitchen and he prepares Khmeran feasts and, and gives it to people. You don't see very many people congregating unless they're within their household. And I know Tamis Cafe does like a box, a boodle box. Right. Not right. the restaurant. They're, they're doing, How has it been the same sort of trend yeah, in Toronto with COVID?
1: I've seen La Mesa do something like that, like boodle fight boxes and stuff like that. I think that they were doing this in and around, if memory serves me correct, around the Christmas period yeah so that's what i've seen like pick up your boodle fight boxes and stuff like that and again usually celebratory you know like you know for some celebratory occasion of sorts i don't know when the next celebration is but i'm now seriously thinking about ordering a boodle fight box from la mesa maybe once it comes back out
0: we'll just get one for vaccinations we got vaccinated i get to see you Here's a, fight. Here's a boodle fight box, right? Enjoy. So. And not even as fancy. Like, like, just get a bucket of chicken and some rice. Like, come on. Well,
1: that, yeah, that's <laughs> the modern day North American, Filipino, Canadian, Philippinex Canadian boodle fight experience. Just get a bucket of chicken, pour some gravy on it from Jolly and get some spaghetti, sweet spaghetti mm. along the way. So. Oh gosh. Anyway, Sigs, take us
0: out. All right, folks, I want to hear more about your Kamayan or Boodle fight experiences. Email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. You can tweet us on at, at Twitter at holoholopop, and we're on Instagram at holoholopopculture. You know what? Send us pictures. DM us. Show us your Kamayan feasts that you partook in and tell us about it. Holo Podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Rate us and leave a review. Can't wait to
1: see those pictures. We receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Cheltering and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. It's late but are you are you hungry now? I am
0: so hungry. <laughs>